0: This is the Rocknomics Podcast number 10. It's been 10 weeks of this. I am Dill, your host, and what we're doing here is talking to people in and around the music industry about their personal journeys, pursuing their craft, and at times touching upon the dollars and cents involved. My guest today is Liana Eden, who's an ambitious singer-songwriter behind her own band, Liana Eden and The Garden of, and is also very active in promoting and mentoring other artists. Uh, She curates a weekly hip-hop showcase as well as founded the Blout Music Festival, that's the Black Alternative Music Festival, which had a very successful launch this past October. Earlier this year, she released a well-received five-song EP and was just recently named 2017's Best Rock Band by Creative Loafing. I caught her on the eve before starting her first full-length album, and our conversation went something like this. That's, 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 that's a good feeling when you get to that point. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess uh, uh, you know, doing my research and, and trying to get a grasp of who you are before I even met you, the one thing that stuck in my head, I, I couldn't describe it in words, but I'm, I'm more of a designer. So if I was to picture it, it would be the word cliché with a circle and a red slash through it. Okay. Is that fair?
1: Okay. Yeah. I was all like, cliche. No. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: and that's because it's it, the couple of things that I read I thought stuck out and were funny was, you know, how kind of adverse you were to to embrace uh, what you're supposed to embrace. Like the Indigo Girls and Andy DeFranco. I guess you were living with a couple at a time that were like, oh, you're listening to all the wrong music or yeah. all the wrong influences. <laughs> and then also, I think it might have been even pleasant with the way you described it was, uh, Musicians and artists and where vegans can open restaurants. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that sounds like a, a cliché of a hipster neighborhood. Yeah. But um, take that as a compliment, as mm-hmm. a, a, a no cliché. So tell me a little bit about your, your upbringing. I understand you're from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Born and raised?
1: Um, I was born in Hammond, Indiana. And, um, uh, <laughs> and then um, I was left at a gas station when I was four years old. And then I magically appeared in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and I entered the foster care system. And then when I was seven years old, I was adopted. And then when I was like fourteen, fifteen, I separated from my adopted family, and um, I barely graduated high school. And
0: um, you graduate early? Or?
1: Um, no, I actually I got really high my senior year of high school, then. Um,
0: high grades? No, just like I was
1: (laughs) blazing. And then, um, so I ended up having to stay an extra year, but yeah, I I don't know.
0: Where were we living, um, outside of your adoptive parents?
1: Um, I, um, stayed at group homes. I slept on a lot of people's couches. I slept outside in parks.
0: And at that at that age, you're not. It's not a, like a legal separation. I forget what it's called. You don't.
1: Yeah, I wasn't emancipated. Okay. Um, I wanted to do that, but you know, it's hard to navigate those kinds of systems without support.
0: Sure, sure. And if anything's too personal, please you can stop me. I'm not. I'm it's not going to I pry. It's I, just. I think
1: that's probably like the first time in like four years that I've actually said that out loud to anyone. Uh-huh. Like normally, I'm able to like glaze over it. Right.
0: So. Right. But I mean, it, it makes you who you are, and I think yeah. you know probably. Somehow reflects in what you're doing and your music and and stuff like that. Um, I, I think what what came to, as a surprise to me was, I mean, you were basically and correct me if I'm wrong, the way I phrase it, but you were raised white. Yeah. <laughs> and your first, is it your first experience of real racial diversity was high school?
1: Um. Well, like, so when I was in foster care from like four to seven, like, my. The foster family was white, but all the kids were black. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I feel like I was still there. And then when um, I got adopted, it went completely white. And I was, unless I, like, like, because the foster family, um, they still went to the church that I basically just got, like, given to a different family in the church. So, like, I was still able to see those kids. And then they moved. Like, maybe, like, a year after I got adopted. And then so after that, yeah, I was pretty much the only black person that I was around. And, like, unless we're, like, at the grocery store and there's, like, black people walking by. So it was but
0: basically that community in that uh, elementary school and...
1: Yeah, I was, the only, I was the only black person in my grade school.
0: Did it affect you at, a, at that time being that age or...
1: Um, I don't know. I don't know.
0: Or, for example, when you did go to high school...
1: When I went to high school, it was, like, I don't know how to, I don't know how to interact.
0: Okay. That's interesting.
1: Um, I would, like, have panic attacks, like, going through the front door. So I would just, like—because that's where all the black kids would hang out. And so I would go around the back (laughs) because, like, I would just try to—in general, just try to slip in because I didn't want anyone to, like, talk to me. Anybody, really. Um, Yeah.
0: Did you you conquer that or did you go through high school kind of with a, you know, a a shield up and—
1: Eventually, like, I made friends and, like, eventually, like, I had, like, black friends— but I was always the weird one, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, and there's like still things that I, like people, like like sometimes people will come up to me and they'll try to like dap me, and I'm just all, like, I actually don't know what to do with my hands, <laughs> you know. Like, I don't know what you want to, you know. Um, so I just try to hug people instead. Be <laughs> like, oh, you know. Like I still sometimes like you know like there's definitely like um a separation sometimes I feel, but like not like in a bad way. Like I know that. Um, like now, like with people, like most of the people that I hang out with, I feel like 90% of the people that I hang out with on a daily basis, um, besides like work, they're black. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's definitely like some code switching things that like, you know, like those it's nurture versus nature. And like, I didn't get those lessons, (laughs) (laughs) you know? So,
0: um, so how did music come into your life?
1: Um, well, um, I, when I was adopted, um, I played piano. Um, My adopted mom was the organist of the church, and so I grew up playing piano and stuff like that. And um, when I was in high school, well, not not even fourth grade, like, I started playing oboe. Um,
0: (laughs) Double reed, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Nice.
1: And um, so, I don't know. I guess, like, I don't know. I remember being, like, really, really little and, like, doing, like, Michael Jackson stuff when I was, like, four or five years old with my brothers and sisters and stuff. Um and like there's always church like I like yeah, choir
0: stuff okay. like that. So you can read music? Mm-hmm. Oh that's great. That's something I wish I could do. Oh, I played drums.
1: <laughs> oh well I can't read that music. That's a completely different
0: <laughs> Yeah but I mean that's it's to me it's completely useless unless you're a drummer. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, like slashes <laughs> so what kind of uh what bands kind of um influenced kind of where you landed where you are today um or what got you out of you know I, I get like choir and and musical instruction but when did you first kind of get the bug to be like this is cool or this you know this um, speaks to me
1: i remember like being in like sixth grade and like there's this one girl her name was like Erin, and she had like a cd player and i would listen to some 41 during recess <laughs> <laughs> like you know because like her parents let her listen to all that stuff, okay, so that was probably like my first like real interaction with like other music besides like Christian stuff and is that what your music. your
0: adopted parents were
1: very Christian and very classical yeah.
0: <laughs> surprised they didn't push like creed on you
1: um, <laughs> no, that's too loud, <laughs> but I know who Creed is, and I've listened to some of their stuff, and they suck
0: yes, yes i uh, I think yeah uh, I just posted some on Facebook about that. I just discovered they sold 11 million albums of their, their hit, their whatever their hit album was called. 11 million albums. Like, America, come on.
1: <laughs> I, I, it might be like a worldwide thing. Get it know. together. <laughs>
0: um, So it's funny. Some 41. I also read it was uh, like the grunge Nirvana and Pearl Jam kind of. Well, that's your, like on the radio. Your, your thing or just um, that's, that was just around you?
1: I mean, like that's like on every alternative station and that's like. Just unavoidable. Yeah. You're going to hear it. But yeah.
0: So, what about um, you know playing out or um, being a musician? Like, did you did you form high school bands or were you kind of a singer songwriter on your own? Or when did uh, when did the the creative juices get flowing to be you know an artist?
1: Um, probably not really until I was eighteen, and um, I was living with this one family for a little bit, and um, one of my friend's cousins gave me a guitar because he was moving to California with his band. And then, so he gave me a guitar and he like showed me like three chords and then <laughs> I just started doing it.
0: That's right. You've got, I was going to say, I've, I've heard, a. uh, do you know Shadowgraphs? They're another local band. Um, I've heard of them. One of their guitarists got start started really late and it's like, how did, how the hell do people start guitar like 18 or 21 years old and become proficient, <laughs> you know? Um, but I know you had a good basis of, of, you know, Yeah, like I have like a good,
1: I have like a good year. You have and, a good
0: understanding to begin with and yeah. So you start playing, um, do you start, um, writing song your own songs immediately or were you a, were you a poetry writer or anything like that, that, you know, kind of the two things came together?
1: Um, like, well, I used to smoke a lot of weed and so like just in general, like certain things will get stuck in my head, like a phrase will get stuck in my head for like two weeks and then eventually it'll finish itself. But I don't ever really write down my lyrics, mm-hmm. um, and like with guitar or whatever, it, would just get really high and i would sit on the couch and turn the tv on but like turn the sound off and i would just play until my fingers hurt because like i really wanted calluses <laughs> and like you know like sure um i just i don't know it was just something to do
0: so when did that transition into uh performing
1: um well probably like when i was like 21 i like i think that's when i really started performing um because like in general, like I have like social anxiety, so it was a way for me to go out and be around people <laughs> I <was gonna> say, <laughs> you and, know and suffer <laughs> and like go to open mic and like have a reason to talk to people because like um, back then, like how do you interact with people
0: right I mean how did you overcome what do you i mean I've, I've, I've played before and i'm 'm a very nervous person, and it's sometimes it's paralyzing, but someone you know as you said, if you have social anxiety, would it be Freeing, or you know, something you wanted to push through.
1: Um, I think it was a push through, but then also, too, like when I'm on stage, like
0: just felt comfortable, it, yeah, you?
1: It, like I can do whatever I want, you know, and it's getting off the stage that's hard, you know, like yeah, yeah. and like having to talk to people afterwards. <laughs> um, but like,
0: do you need a microphone? <laughs> so do you need a microphone just, like, to talk? Walk around you? And
1: talk on the microphone. <laughs> um, just uh. I don't know. I feel better on stages. But, like, also, like, if I'm, like, in a corner at a restaurant and I don't do this anymore, I used to do, like, those, like, three-hour cover sets. (laughs) You know? Like, those are really nerve-wracking to me. Like, because, like, I don't know. Like, um, I feel like with the stage, like, it's the one time where I can do whatever I want and I can say whatever I want and I can be myself completely and wholly. And because it's a stage and people are there to listen... Just as I listen to you, it's, it's comfortable, but like, I don't deal well in situations where like, you're in a corner and you're playing for three hours and you're doing cover songs and like literally is no one's listening, you know, and like, like occasionally, like, yeah, you can like reach those two, three people or whatever, but like, and like, that's cool. And it's awesome to like, be able to like do that. But like, I feel like I put out a lot more of my emotional energy in those sets than I do where it's like almost effortless. I get to walk up, I get to do my thing and you either like it or you don't. And we carry on and we all, you know, right, right. Um, but yeah. So are
0: you, so if you're, if this is like early twenties, are you still in Milwaukee? Mm -hmm. Okay. When do you, um, when do you move out of Milwaukee or what, what's the impetus for the move or, um, and I don't mean to jump ahead. Was some was stuff happening in Milwaukee? I think one of the things I want to ask you is I guess there's a place called the Cactus Club. That's kind of a mm-hmm. kind of a, a good good club to get into. They're yeah. they're local friendly, but it's also kind of a stepping stone. It's where kind of people yeah I they feel, go there, like, then they yeah then it's they like get sort of,
1: yeah it's like you go to you play. It's like your last little route on your like Snug Harbor. Like right. tour, and then all of a sudden you're on NPR the next day. Right. You know. <laughs> you know. But like, and like that's cool. But like, if you're like, from Milwaukee and you're playing there, you you've missed all these other steps. You're what? there. You know. Like, you like, what like you know. Like I feel like I I feel like I've been working backwards.
0: What did you get success early? Like you got not to the like, practice club like, quickly, or
1: well, it's it's not hard. And, and, you know, like every scene <laughs> is about like who you know, I guess, and sure. your level of talent and whether or not you show up on time. Um, but like, I feel like like and, from and bring <laughs>
0: bring the crowd.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I feel like at that time, like I feel like like I I was able to conquer Milwaukee very easily, and then like from there, it's just all like it's. Like I missed a whole bunch of other steps, you know. Like no one taught me. Like this is what a DI box is. I, you know, like uh-huh. like no one. Like you know, like there's all these other things that I feel like I missed. Right. And you can't like take a class for them, you know. True. So like I feel like it, that was probably one of the main reasons why I wanted to leave so badly. Mm-hmm. And like you know, and plus like just in general, the city. Like I love it, but it's also like. My whole childhood is there, and like, you know, sure. like every corner,
0: yeah. There's something. I, I think everyone, everyone who grows up in a town of that size, I guess, y- yeah, you want to get out and see what else is there. Yeah. Were you, were you in a band situation at this point, or were you a solo performer? Or
1: um, I was working with one other person. Um, like I, so like there was, um, there's a record store, and in Milwaukee. So I used to work at this restaurant called The Palomino, which is right next door to the Cactus Club. Okay. And one of the people that worked at The Palomino owns this record store in Bayview, and that's where all of this happens. And um, <clears throat> so I went there, and I just, like, and this dude, he's cool. He was always on, like, you need to listen to this band, you need to listen to this band. But he was always, like, feeding me really cool, like, awesome black women music. Uh-huh. Um, He was the one that introduced me to, like... um betty davis and stuff like that and then one day he was all like he gave me the cd he's like i don't know who this is but i just got this cd listened to it and it was um this um this hip-hop duo from um i think it was portland or something like that or washington it was that way northwest right
0: pacific northwest Yep.
1: yeah and um they were called the satisfaction and i listened to that and then um i found out at the cactus club the the satisfaction was coming on they were coming on tour and um I literally just asked. <laughs> I was like, hey, can I play for them? Can I open for them? And they're like, yeah. <laughs> That's good. You know? And um, so, like, I was working with this one other person. Her name's Abby Gern. She's still in Milwaukee. She's doing stuff. She's got an album out. She's about to release another something. I don't know. She travels a lot. She goes out of the country. She just got back from, like, India or something like that. Awesome. Gigging? No, just <laughs> Just traveling? Okay. Just traveling. And um, so, like, I was living with her at the time, and... um like, um, I got a band together and I started practicing with these dudes from the kitchen that I worked at and, uh, she sang backup vocals and I played guitar and like the two cooks from my job <laughs> played bass and drums and it was like my first like big show. And then after that I was like, what's next?
0: <laughs> That's cool. What would you guys call yourself back then?
1: Um, Eden Abbey. Okay. So, yeah.
0: So then, so it was, uh, like
1: my first, like collaboration
0: what was uh what was next what what took you out of milwaukee
1: um like we abby and i came up with this like crazy idea that we were gonna like shag out this minivan and we were just gonna travel across america and go to every open mic and um we got to buffalo and uh went to new york what time of year is this that was like it was about this time all the big moves in my life happened around this time in october um and uh So, yeah, I think it was, like, end of August, September, October, and we went to Buffalo, and then we went to New York City. I think it was, like, two weeks. I don't know. Like, time is weird. But I just know that one day I woke up, and we didn't have any fucking money, (laughs) and we (laughs) needed to get back. So we went to Buffalo, and um, she went back to Milwaukee, and I moved to Cleveland. (laughs) Okay. And I got a job because I was, like, I'm very much, like, I'm not going to go back right. i talked about it for so long you yeah. know i talked about leaving i've planned i saved and like for me it's just all like i can't go back because where am i gonna go right like i don't have anywhere to go like so she went back you know and it seems like she's doing really awesome and doing stuff
0: uh why cleveland did you know people there or someone you can um, crash with
1: i could have stayed in buffalo with um the person that took us to new york city but um it's cold up there, and there's no jobs. It's smaller than Milwaukee, and I could just tell, like, the bus system's fucked up. The sidewalks are horrible, you know? Like, I'm sorry. Are we talking Buffalo? In Buffalo. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it's like, tough. the it's amount of homeless people that I saw in their downtown, like, I was just like, yeah, this is going to be a rough city. Yeah. I can't figure this out. And, um
0: there's a lot of people from Buffalo moved down here. Yeah. Have you noticed?
1: Yeah. I've met a couple. Yeah. Um, and then, so I was like, Cleveland's the next biggest city, and... Um so I just like got on a Greyhound bus. It cost $40 and it was like about 3 hours to get there and um I used couchsurfers.org. Stayed at this weird guy's house the first night but then when I woke up the next morning um this lady named Julie um she owns the Root Cafe in Lakewood, Ohio and which is a suburb which is inside of Cleveland. It's okay. weird. Um <clears throat> and uh Started working at a restaurant and I lived with her upstairs in her upstairs apartment until I got my stuff together and um yeah, I just like bummed around for like a year, worked, saved money, bought a car, and then I moved down here.
0: How'd you meet this woman? Did you could did you you stopped in her cafe or Oh no? Um she a,
1: hit me up on couch surfers. Okay. Um, so that was one yeah, of the Yeah, like I put out like a hey, right, I need help. Right. And uh she responded. and oh, that's cool. She's
0: cool. <laughs> I'm sorry, so you Stayed there, got money, and then that, and then headed south.
1: Yeah, I was there for about a year.
0: Okay, and does south mean here or yeah? Did take a couple of pit stops or? Oh
1: no, I drove straight here. Anyway.
0: <laughs> and what what drew you to North Carolina?
1: Um, the person that um took us to New York City. Um, we started dating. Okay. And um, so when I was in Cleveland, I would go back and forth to Buffalo and go back and forth to New York City with her. And um, she got a teaching gig down here, and was all like, "Let's go!" And I was all like, "Why not?" <laughs> it was, start- <laughs> you know, it, like it was becoming winter again, and I was all like, "It's cold up here. Oh yeah." And I don't want to ride my bicycle <laughs> in this coldness, and so I was like, "All right, cool."
0: That's what did you think in New York? Did you get to gig out, gig out there at all? Um,
1: I did like an open mic. I did this other like women's showcase thing. It was really cool. Um, it was really cool actually, though. We- that women's showcase that I did because I met those women at a music festival that I went to Michigan women's music festival. I feel like I went to like one of the last one of those that happened and, um, met them there and then they were like, Hey, and I was like, Hey, I come to New York a lot. And then, so they set me up with a gig and that was cool. Um, and then, but yeah, New York is interesting. It's very big and there's a lot of people and like, um, like I I I feel like I look at New York City and Buffalo in the same way. Um, those are cities that I can become homeless in, and I might stay homeless in. Right. You know, so. Well, um,
0: why? I mean, some a place like like New York. Why is that? It's just there's so many just... people.
1: You know, like I was. I don't have. I don't really have any skills. Like you know, like I didn't go to college. Well, I did go to college, but I didn't stay in college. So like, and I don't want to be washing dishes for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And I feel like since there are so many people, like, I don't know, I feel like, um, I feel like it would be hard for me to find, um, like, friends that I could consider family, you know?
0: So you make it down to Charlotte, and, uh, it's not that great, right?
1: Um, (laughs) I'm just, like, in general, never happy, so, (laughs) but, yeah, the first year was pretty interesting.
0: I mean, what was your, what were your first impressions?
1: Um, I was very angry because, like, I could just tell, like, just driving in, I was just like, everything's new here, you know? Like, um, like, Milwaukee and Buffalo and Cleveland, it's all old cities, you know? They're, like, you can can see the history, you know? And, like, down here, it's just, like, (laughs) like, it's just disgusting. I hate it. (laughs) Like... Uh,
0: are you still in current tense, or are, are we still back in twenty fourteen?
1: Um, the people are cool now that I like know oh, and like right. know where to go and right. know where my scene is and know my friends and I've built relationships. But I still, yeah, um, aesthetically, it's not pleasing. <laughs> right, right,
0: right. I, I think I don't think anyone will argue with it with yeah. you there. So, um, let's talk about how did you meet you know how did you fall into you know uh your 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 <clears throat> clique i guess your um, group of people, your artists, your friends, your musicians
1: well, the first year that I was here, I was very angry and I was very depressed, and I just worked a lot and I was like in and out of like a relationship and just drinking too much and mm-hmm. just like acting out i guess and like Mourning the loss of my Cleveland self because that person was so cool. Um, <laughs> and um,
0: Looking back, though, <clears throat> was the, your Cleveland self any different than your current self you were kind of uh, down on?
1: The Cleveland self was way cooler. <laughs> the, um, I feel like the Cleveland self and the, who I am right now today – in this moment are very similar. Okay. Um, except that I've grown up some, but like my Cleveland self was super dope. Like (laughs) (laughs) I was riding a bicycle. I was fit. (laughs) I was eating healthy. (laughs) Like, you know, like I was hanging out with like really cool people that like were really helping the community. And, um, and then I moved down here and I feel like because I was in a bad space, um, I was attracting a lot of, the wrong people right and um and then once that cycle ended um i just started going to all the open mics i was going to an open mic every single night
0: now in a place like charlotte was there a robust scene i feel like it's getting well i was gonna say i feel like it's getting better but also as i said that there's three or four clubs have closed in the last year but going back to when you were you were doing open mics did they have a you know were you finding a lot of opportunities
1: yeah okay um, um I think though like a lot of the places that I used to go to I think the only one that really is still going strong is Evening News okay um but yeah I made a lot of connections there and um there's a good group of friends that I made at Raw's back when they had open mic on Sundays um and then um Tommy's Pub but that's torn down but now it's moved, so it's okay. Um, but also, too, though, like, um, I was unsatisfied, though, with a lot of the people. And, like, that, and that, not the people, but just, like, that scene. Right. Um, because, like, a lot of those people were white, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's, like, it's not like I don't like white people. It's just all, like, at the end of the day, though, I need to be around people that look like me, you know? Okay. Um, and so, like, and then I met DJ SBK, that's really probably when I really started, like, going out, and, like, that's when I really started, like, meeting the people that I'm around now mm-hmm. is when I met her. Um, she's from Atlanta. But I remember I was hanging out with my friend Kia, and she's a rapper. And I, to this day, don't know how I met her. She just magically appeared in my life. Um, but she took me to this club up on Independence, and we were there, and we were hanging out, we were drinking, and I think she was doing, like, some like weird like show it was like a weird like hip-hop showcase where like you gotta like pay to play or some whatever uh-huh. and um so i went to support her and then afterwards we were standing outside smoking a cigarette and that's when i met DJ SBK. she was like okay hey, can i get a cigarette and i was like sure and then um she was like i'm a dj and i was like that's so cool <laughs> and then she's like, i was gonna
0: say how did you guys uh hit it off like it was literally hey, I play music too
1: <clears throat> yeah and then um she was like, yeah, I'm from Atlanta, I just moved up here, and I was all like, cool. And then she was all like, I'm going to Atlanta tomorrow for a show, and I was all like, I'm off tomorrow. And she was all like, you wanna ride with me? And I was like, all right, cool. <laughs> and then pretty much ever since then, like, she was the person that made me get my website, she made me get business cards, um, she started taking me along with her to her DJ gig at Upstage. It was for, um, Upstage now is a coffee shop in Noda. <laughs> and um it was the touch one poetry open mic night and um yes yeah, and then i just started playing there um i featured a couple times and it was like the first time in my whole life and in all of my time playing guitar where i felt like i was like my music was being accepted by the black community and um so thanks. Thanks, SBK. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you didn't feel that way at all uh, back in Cle- – did you gig in Cleveland when you had – I played Houston like there? two
1: shows in Cleveland. Okay. I was more concentrated on like surviving and having fun and like – you know, it was like – like the Cleveland year was like my college year. Like – Okay. You know how like everyone goes off to college and they party and then they get it out of their system? Yeah. Um, I feel like when I moved to Cleveland, that was the first time in my life where like I was completely alone and I didn't like – and, you know, like, I like so, like, I was, you know, like, I had to have fun, so I did. And um, when it was over, I was able to leave, <laughs> right. you know? But, like, I played, like, two shows there, but, like, I was playing the whole time. Like, everyone knew I played guitar and, like, um, but it was more of, like, a communal kind of space that I was in. I was living with, like, four other people in this, like, two-bedroom apartment. and right. Like was, college. <laughs> yeah, and there was, like, chickens across the street that we had to take care of and a community <laughs> garden. And, like, every day um my best friend and well he's my brother i feel like we're a lot of times i'll say like brother sister and they're Mm -hmm. not related to me but like these are people like that i there's a kinship you know like i feel like you could be my brother um and um not you but that person (laughs) i don't know you wait till the interview's done you'll (laughs) love um but yeah we would just like build bonfires every single day after work and I would play guitar there. And so people knew, but I wasn't really actively, like, trying to, like, gig. I wrote a lot of music, mm-hmm. um, but I didn't really start doing anything hardcore until I got here.
0: <clears throat> okay. Are you a prolific writer? Do you find you're, you are writing a lot of just as as life goes on, or do you need to kind of be inspired? And in um, some, some come easy, some come hard.
1: Some things come easy, and... Um, But a lot of the stuff that I write is very hard for me to write, and um, I always feel like my music... Like, the music that I wrote when I was younger, like, I found myself living out, like, three or four years later. I'd be like, wait, I already wrote about this. Like, I feel like I... Interesting. Like, my own seer.
0: Self-fulfilling prophecy.
1: Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I've been trying to, like...
0: uh, (laughs) Trying to avoid that. Or so you can, you know, write some good songs where you... uh, Have happy endings and Yeah.
1: But happiness. So so
0: how did you um you know, back to kind of here in town, how did you find, you know, your fellow musicians or, you know, your studio recorded in, your, you know, engineers, producers? That just came you know, as as time went on?
1: Um well when I was like hanging out at the evening news a lot, um, people would just like approach me. But uh and and so it's like it's literally like people like all the time people are like, Take down my number I was like, okay, <laughs> but when it like came down to like I'm gonna start a band, it became like a like a body pain. Like I had to do this. Right. Um, um, I just literally like went through my phone and was all like, okay, all these people play guitar because I have labels in my phone. Right. Cause like I meet a lot of people, I know a lot of people, so like I would just like I texted all the guitar people and I was like, hey, I'm trying to start a band. Who's in? Yeah. And so some people were like yes, yeah, some people were like no, and then I weeded out the maybes, and um, I just did that with all the instruments, and eventually I had a band.
0: So did it take take a while to kind of? Um, I mean, you didn't you didn't hold uh, tryouts, no, so to speak. But a lot of did the people it, did it evolve know. from a lot yeah, of this people, guy's working out, this guy's kind of mm-hmm. not. Or?
1: A lot of the people that I like musicians wise, I've seen them play already. Mm-hmm. I already know their style. And so, like, I didn't have to be, like, hey, you right. know. Um,
0: but once you're sitting down and writing or trying to communicate what you're feeling or what you want a song to be, you obviously have to – you gelled with certain people, right?
1: Yeah, but I didn't do really any of the writing with people. Like, I already had it. Right. And then I would just be, like
0: – You're the songwriter. You come in. Drummer throws his stuff. Everyone kind of adds.
1: Yeah, and then I just – let you know whether or not i like it if i don't like it i don't like it (laughs) um (laughs) yeah and then like but i did have like like right now i don't have a band um the ep that i recorded with that was um zach willard um james jeffrey and ethan Lilly wrote he was our original bass player when we started the band and so when he was like i gotta take a time out um we taught his bass lines to somebody else okay um and then there's, like, one song that we wrote as a band. Um, I don't know. I'm very much, like... Like, I don't write my music down, but, like... Like, if I can't play something, I'll sing it to you. Right. And then <laughs> get it right, you know? So, right. um...
0: Is there any discussion as to, like... You're saying... You're, you're inviting people to play in your band. Mm-hmm. Like, you're the boss. Yeah. Like, these are my songs. I'm the... You yeah. Know. Okay.
1: It, it, like, um... And... That's the thing that people, I guess, don't understand sometimes, um, yeah. that there are two different kinds of bands. There's the collective, like um, like Incubus. Yeah. that's a collective, <laughs> you know. Like, um, but when you're coming into something like what I'm doing, which is Leanna Eden and the Garden of, the Garden of is you guys, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. But I'm Leanna Eden and all these all this music that we're playing and everything that I'm bringing to the table, my interpretations of cover songs, that's me. Sure. You know, And this is what I can play solo. This is what I play live by myself. This is what I get called for when I go to the Light Theater. And they're like, hey, we want you to come by yourself. And I'm like, all right, cool, I'll be there. And (laughs) like- Don't (laughs) bring the band. (laughs) (laughs) So like, that's me, you know? And then like, there's things that we do when we go open for people at like the station and, like, we're getting requested to open for some band or whatever, some touring band, that's the Garden of, you know? But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like, this is my band, and this is the way I want my music played, and right. this is how we're doing it. This is how we're going to navigate that space. And so, like, I guess, yes, it's a dictatorship, <laughs> but this is what I feel, and, sure. s- and so you either want to do it or you don't.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, like you said, it's it's there's two different bands. There's yeah. a band that's led by somebody, and then there's a band that's a, you know, collective group, and so 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 the band james and zach and uh sorry the other guy
1: his name is ethan and then sorry ethan uh ethan's cool um and then so
0: but they're not intact hmm? that's not an that's not the garden of it at the moment at the moment will you continue always as the garden of and the garden of will be yeah the garden of is like
1: You know. The producers, the yeah. photographers, the fans, oh, like okay. the people that are buying it. It's more than just the band. Sure. Um, But like, yeah, definitely. Like right now I have like 10 different musicians that I can call, like depending on like what the show is and they know my music and I can be like, hey, you ready? And they're like, yes. Yeah, or they're like, no. And then I'm like, all right, cool. And then I get it together and then we go, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> you know. Cool. Yeah. Um, But yeah, like it's it's easier that way for me. Because um, like, I feel like I... Spent a good year and a half of my life. I feel like people were trying to convince me that what we were doing was a collective. But when it comes down to money, and it comes down to time, and it comes down to effort, (laughs) and it comes down to finding the recording, paying for these CD slips, printing the CDs myself, designing the album cover, you know, like, no, bitch, this this is my shit. So, like, you know, like... Like if everyone was equally putting in on money and everyone was equally like you know but it 's not sure so
0: i mean that's i i you know you 're an artist you yeah. you need i think there's there 's always you need a certain amount of control some people don 't you know wouldn't necessarily care about that or can- you know
1: some people collaborate
0: best or do don 't want to deal with that but some
1: people i feel want to pretend like they Have control. But when it comes down to actually doing the work, Mm -hmm. they're just like, actually, but I'm going to try to claim this, you know? Yeah. And like, not today.
0: (laughs) That's part of the fun. I mean, in in, its best case scenario, building, you know, kind of the brand, which I use that word specifically because on your website, it says you're growing your brand. How would you define your brand?
1: Um. Well, I need to update my website i haven't done that. I got obsessed with my music festival, and um so like need to update that um but growing my Did brand change that line yeah, I need to change the whole thing actually um first and foremost, yes, I am a artist i'm a musician i'm a writer i'm a singer i'm a thinker, um but I'm also like a visionary mm-hmm. so like like I literally have visions <laughs> like you know like yeah, yeah. like like.
0: Well, you're I think most. I think a lot of creative people, that's what they're they strive for to put that vision into, you know, tangible reality or you know, a song or an event or a you know, painting or no.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I was wait. I was Sorry. like, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, I feel like.
0: But is your brand? I, and I don't mean, to answer this for you. But from what I've seen and what I want to get into is you're you're also curating a lot of stuff. Yeah. So your brand is, you know, you're a, you're a creative enterprise of really creative expression, music, bringing people together, um, education, um, you did an event, you know, and and it probably won't stop there. So it's kind of, it's your, it's, your brand is your license to kind of just do whatever I want. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I just want to create safe spaces for people to be themselves. Sure. Um, And that can be like either like just me playing guitar by myself on a stage and people cry because they feel something, Mm -hmm. not because it's bad, but because like (laughs) they legitimately feel something. Um, And like they're like, whoa, that spoke to me. Mm -hmm. And like providing a safe space for it's okay to have emotions. Um, But then also to like Black Alternative Music Festival, like something that large scale providing a platform So that every, you know, black punk in Charlotte is on the same playing field, Mm -hmm. you know, and everyone has the same opportunity. And like, and like, that's what I do with like hip hop. When I do hip hop Wednesdays over at Common Market and when I used to do Session, which was the listening party. So pretty much in the the past year, everyone that's had an EP release party, I probably helped make that space happen. Um, And like, that's cool. But then also, too, it's just all like it's educational because like like, I'm teaching people the importance of, you know, like, checking your emails and responding to them, Right. you know, like, because I don't have much, but everything that I have done so far is because I say yes, and I answer my phone, um, or I make people text me because I scream my phone calls, or, like, you know, like, checking my email, and, like, you know, like, and, like, also, too, like, knowing that you need to get your stems from your engineer, you know? Otherwise you never fully own your shit, you know? Like, all these little things that no one taught me and I had to learn on my own, you know? And so, like, I see all these people, you know, and some people are older than me, some people are younger than me, and, like, like recently now with Hip Hop Wednesdays, I've been able to, like, have, like, you know, contact with, like, 16-, 17-, 18-year-olds that are just starting their hip-hop and, like, just giving them these, like, little small pieces of advice that are going to help them in the future. Right. You know? So, like, my thing is, like, like life has been shitty, <laughs> you know? And, like, I'm happy that I'm alive. But I also, like, have, like, a whole bunch of fucking knowledge, too. And I want everyone to know, you know? And it's not, like, coming from a place of, like, oh, like, thank me for telling you this thing. No, I don't want you to get fucked over. <laughs> right, <laughs> you know? Right, like, right. I don't want anyone to get fucked over. And I want everyone to be successful. And I want everyone to, like, at least try, you know. Right,
0: right. Well, it's funny. I mean. I, a part of this podcast is is I'm naive to a lot of things, but I that's why I want to hear from artists. It's like nobody gets a playbook. Like even I've talked to you know artists who've been you know signed to record labels, and it's like, all right, what do we do? And it's like, well, just keep doing what you're doing. You know, it's a lot. It's still a lot of DIY. I found out that it's yeah. like, you know, I guess the bigger the label, they'll be like, oh, we'll I'll book a tour for you. But you know, I spoke to you know my very first guest, and they were like. <laughs> they got signed to a label out of Chicago and they are like, all right, well, you guys go book a tour and, you know, promote the album. We just, uh, you know, paid for, or are going to promote. And it's, you know, no, nobody, nobody, nobody told them anything or gave them the ropes or they, you know, everyone's learning how, as they go. And it's yeah. it's just interesting how it's, uh, you know, it takes artists like yourself and, you know, mentorship from, you know, whoever's out there to, to guide people. Yeah. Um, yeah. But let's talk a little bit about – it's really interesting that you you do curate all these things. Um, how did that start? I mean like you said, you did – and I guess a <clears throat> session is no longer?
1: Yeah, that was only like for like nine months. It was long enough to have a baby. Um, <laughs> um,
0: and that was a listening thing? You would bring – how did that work?
1: Um, so I would do like – Three people, one hip-hop artist, one R&B singer, and then, like, one person that was a little bit different. So basically mix-up shows. Um, but I would put them in Petra's because that's, like, an accredited venue. Because, like, that's something that I saw here when I moved here is just that, like, all these people have all this music. And they're like, why doesn't anyone pay attention to me? <laughs> you know? And it's just, mm-hmm. like, because no one, you, you haven't played outside. You know? No one, you know? Like, for me personally, like, I'm not going to buy your album or I'm, I'm not going to listen to your music unless I've seen you live because I can't tell whether or not you're real. Right. You know, like, and some people can't sing live, sure. <laughs> you know, and some people are really like almost robotic, <laughs> you know, and like they are really good at engineering or something like that. You know, sure. You got a great producer. Pro tools. Yeah. But like, you know, but like, um, and so basically like, I guess it was like in my head, it it's sort of like a test, you know, like, one, you have to build your resume. You got to have some venues.
0: Sure.
1: And, like, Charlotte is, like, you know, Charlotte, and we're in the South. And so there's, like, this whole, like, young black scene that isn't playing at Snug Harbor. They're not going to ever be playing at Visual Light Theater. There isn't a space for them at Evening News. Neighborhood Theater isn't going to book them, you know? Station's, like, metal, <laughs> you know? So it's right. just all, like... um, well, I played all these places and I have friendships and I can ask Perry over at Petra's and I got my own night. And then, so like now everyone can start, you know? Right. And, um, it's cool to like see, like, cause like some of the people like Morgan Gala, she was one of the first girls that played and, um, now she's doing stuff with the Blumenthal all the time. Oh, that's cool. She won't stop. Wow. <laughs> you know, and it's crazy. Like, Spirit Square, Blumenthal, she's always, like, every weekend she's doing something, and it's, like, really awesome to see that. And then, like, um, Dexter Jordan, like, he has a beautiful, like, soulful, like, gospel r R&B voice. Like, his, like, runs are, like, out of this world. And now he's playing regularly at Snug Harbor and he's an act that you would never see there because it's a punk club, right. you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, so in a way it's just, like, infiltration of these spaces, you know, of these white spaces, really. Um, and, you know, everyone deserves to be on the same fucking playing field.
0: Sure. Are you getting a diverse crowd?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's one thing that I guess I'm really proud of. Um, I feel like most of my crowds are 80% black and then 10% 10 to 20% white. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the end of the day, I want it to be a predominantly black space, and I want um, to expose black people to all different kinds of music and to all different kinds of black people doing all different kinds of black music, but then also it's a safe space But also a welcoming space for everyone to come in and listen to this and enjoy it because you never know who is going to be walking down the street and be like, oh, what's happening? And like, here's something that they really like. And they wouldn't have heard that because, you know, no one, like people aren't getting the same opportunities, you know? Um, so like, I feel like, um, I've been able to like break down a door, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Um, because like, I know that like some people, when I first came here and, um, because, like, I play with Visualite regularly, and, like, it's cool, and it's awesome, and I've, like, they've definitely, like, taken care of me, and, like, um, pushed me, and believed in me, and that's really all anybody needs is someone to believe in them, and, like, so I know that there was like, people that are, like, like, in my community that have, like, questioned, like, how did you do that? Mm-hmm. And it's just all, like, very simply. <laughs> I right. answer my emails. I show up on time. And I'm always fucking ready. I have two hours worth of original music ready to go, (laughs) you know, all the time, you know, and I practice and, but most of all, like I, I show up.
0: Now, do you, um, when you're curating stuff like this, I mean, you've got such a good work ethic and you're very responsible. Do you, do you kind of, uh, you know, read the right act to some people that you're helping out? Like, Hey, listen, be there on, you know, be there on time be ready, be tuned, be whatever. I mean, do you, do you I don't um, know. Some the people, Lord pushes hard, but is that Yeah, part of I your... do
1: yeah, I do that. Like um like with my hip hop kids that I work with, um for hip hop Wednesdays or whatever, like the younger guys like um like I have like a whole like list of rules that they have to follow. Um because like with that, what I'm trying to teach is a 30 minute set, $50 minimum. That's what you should be making. You should be making $50 minimum. But mm-hmm. here's the things that you need to do. In order to be making this $50. If you leave, like, one of my rules is, like, if you leave my set, like, if you come late and then you leave early before the whole show is done, like, you're not going to get paid. Because, like, it's training your audience and it's also training the artist. Yeah. So if you show up and you show up just in time to play and your people only come just for you to see, like, you know, like, to see you and then you leave and they all leave, fuck you. Yeah. You know, because then you're going to go home and be like, "No one supports me. No one plays my me." Because you didn't stick around a network. Yeah. You didn't get you didn't stick around to talk to anybody. You know? So like, for the younger kids, I I do have like um a list of rules and um I like but most of the people, the older ones I'm able to talk to them, like the people that are like 25, 24 my age, like I can I can talk to them and be like, "Hey, you know, and like a lot of the older people that I work with, like I've been hanging out with them around and had been able to have conversations with them. And so, like, it's not like Leanna's a bitch, yeah. it's just like no, <laughs> but you know, you sometimes
0: do. it's tough love. You know, if they don't yeah. like it now, they'll be like, gosh, you know, she, you know, years down the road, it's like it's the best lesson I ever got, you yeah. know. <clears throat>
1: um, and like some people need more babying than others, you know, but um, I also, people. It, especially, like, in the past year, I think that people are realizing that there's two me's. Like, there's Leanna that gets out, goes out and drunk, and, like, you know, I scream really loudly at your shows. And I, like, show really, like, hardcore support. And, like, you know, like, I'm cool, I'll go to parties or whatever. But then, like, the minute that we start business, though, like, that's a completely different person. Sure. And, like, I know that I've, like, scared a couple of people. There's one person that, now we're friends, but I know for a fact for, like, six months, this person was, like, scared shitless of me and hated me. And I was just all like... <laughs> Sorry, but like that's what happens. Like the second that it feels like it's going to be a business conversation, yeah, my personality changes, and this is what we're talking about now. Yeah, and I can switch back easily, and I think that's that's what scares people, is that code switch. Like, and and like that's literally what everyone needs to learn, though. That right there. Yeah, <laughs> you know, oh, it's,
0: it's another part of the you know, rounding yourself out as a as an artist, and yeah. a business person. Yeah. So, Hip Hop Wednesdays is at Common Market. Mm-hmm. One of the things that tr- is this true or false, you, you were not a, you weren't a huge connoisseur of hip hop. So you're kind of learning, you know, it's yeah. a learning thing for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, how's it going?
1: It's going. Um, <laughs> thankfully I've been able to keep the set lists diverse. Um, I try not to put like two trap artists on the same bill, you know, um, try to mix it up a little bit, but yeah, it's definitely learning. Um, but mainly like with that, like. I don't know, like hip hop. I didn't grow up listening to it, so um, it's sometimes it's hard for me to understand, like um, like analogies, okay, and um, code, like code words for things, and like I, and like that's okay, and that's just me, and that's fine, and I've come to terms with that, and um, but mainly, like when I'm looking at the that is, it's like I'm looking at stage performance. Are you hype? Do you Mm -hmm. look like you love it? How are the people reacting? Most of the times when I'm at those shows, I'm not even really listening to the music. um, Unless it hurts my ears because the mastering's fucked up. I can tell when it's not good, (laughs) you know, in my ears. Um, But even then, like, that can be covered up by the people and how they're reacting to it. So, like, I spend most of my time at the hip-hop show just watching and making sure that everyone is on time and the set lists aren't too long and Mm -hmm. making sure the DJ is okay. And it's more of a, I don't know, making sure everyone gets paid.
0: Sure. But it's not
1: like session where I was sitting there like really like in it.
0: Yeah. You know, do you see, I mean, is that going to influence any, anything? I mean, I mean, you're, you're kind of, you're indie alternative rock for, I mean, I hate to always, categorize somebody but um do you see that influencing you at all or or
1: Not know, really. changing
0: anything or no. Okay. Um
1: I don't like heavily produced things. So like I feel like hip hop is very, very 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 produced. Right, right. And I've like sat in a couple of hip hop studios and like I currently like sort of work at one right now. Um so like I hate to say this, but I feel like I have more respect for the producers a lot of the times right. than I do for the rappers. Right. And like, you know, but also to like, um,
0: what's, well, I, I feel like I'm only, I feel like my defense for that is, and I know I'm not defending, you know, you're, you're not insulting and I'm defending it. My defense to any detractors is that's, it's almost like the computers are instrument. Yeah. You know, you play guitar, they play, they sample beats, you know, they drum machines. Yeah. And I hope I'm not, generalizing it but is that kind of what you mean it's 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 a less uh organic art in Um, terms of where the music's coming from
1: well um
0: or where the music's how the music's being produced
1: i feel like the final product which is like the rapper and the production like the music i don't necessarily care about that i Mm -hmm. guess um like, I don't care about ASAP Rocky or whatever his name is. Mm-hmm. I don't care about his fashion, and I don't care, like, I don't know what he's saying, you know? But, like, I'm more intrigued on the other end of the producer. Like, the hours, because, like, you know, like, there's people, like, I've, like, there's this one dude that I know that, like, his name's Young Citizen. Like, he is like plugging in his p- piano and playing things and then he's playing bass and then same thing with dion reverie like he's plays all of the instruments and then he goes back into the computer and manipulates those sounds yeah yeah that's you cool. know and so it's just all like i would rather sit and watch that and listen to that i would rather just think i i don't know even with that i guess i would it would be in order for me to like really even be like super engaged in it like that's, like, you got to sit in the studio with them and watch that, you know, because, right. like, all those buttons, like, and, like, the computer programs, like, I don't get it, and <laughs> you know, like, I'm never going to be able to figure it out, um, and I've tried, mm-hmm. but I can't, and so, like, producers, I feel like people, I feel like people get so caught up on, like, the rapper, and they forget about the producer, and maybe that's just how it is, like, the producer chooses to do that, they mm-hmm. choose to, like, you know, mm-hmm stay in the background and have the free will to be able to create all the time. Yeah. Um, and that's cool. But like, I guess I'd rather watch a video of someone making a beat than I would listen to the final product with <laughs> some shit I can't understand.
0: <laughs> for sure. Um, what would you define? I mean, you, you've got your hands in a lot of different things. What define success for you or what, what would you want if you could write your, Ticket, for lack of a better description, how would you want it to play out?
1: Um. Hopefully, in like two years, I'll be able to make all of my money (laughs) just by, I want to do a hip-hop festival in the spring, and I want to do a Black Alternative Music Festival in the fall, and that's what I want to do. I want to create big things. I don't want to do small things anymore. I want to create two big things a year. And organize a network and listen to music and then tour (laughs) in the summer and the fall or something like that, you know, like the summer and the winter or something like, you know, two weeks out of the year, I get to go to Europe and like two weeks out of the summer, I get to go somewhere else and like play music. But I want to be able to like curate big things and provide awesome spaces.
0: Does that require um, a label? Or even just a business partnership where someone's going to be like, exactly that. We're going to put two big festivals on a year. In between that, we're going to do an album. We're going to tour on that album. You know, I, I get the feeling, and I don't want to answer for you. You'd rather be a do-it-yourselfer than have to relinquish whatever power there there may be with a label.
1: Um, I or feel, does a
0: label kind of offer you a
1: like, stepping stone? I feel like...
0: I mean, the label system's kind of dead, but it depends what you're looking for.
1: I feel like um I, this isn't the first time someone's asked me this question, but I feel like at this point I've done so much that like I can't even get a manager. <laughs> you know, like people have offered to be my manager, but then when it comes down to like
0: you'll do more than they will. My standard? Yeah.
1: You have to do more than what I'm doing. Yeah. And I know a lot of people, so who do you, who the fuck you know yeah, <laughs> you know so who, like
0: who's gonna look out out for me better than I can,
1: yeah, and like that's just like in general, like my survivalist nature of just life, you know, like I've always taken care of myself, you know, mm-hmm. um yeah, if there was somebody out there that could be able to do it better than what I can or give me a large amount of money that and allow me to do what I want with it mm-hmm. in the time that I want. You know, because like, I don't know, I don't think that I would do well being signed, because then all of a sudden there's this pressure, you know, like, I don't want to be a pressured artist. I work well under pressure when I'm like, organizing things, you know, like, like, hell yeah.
0: Well, you do your, you do a good job of putting yourself under enough pressure, probably. Yeah,
1: But like, when it comes to art, I don't want to feel pressure. I don't want to have to feel like I have to put out three albums in four years, you know, otherwise... I'm gonna owe this amount of money like I don't think that I would do well under that I would fail and then I would die <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know um like because like for me like when I write music it just happens it happens when it feels like happening some songs like I've been working on for six years mm-hmm. and it's not quite done yet you know but it when, it when it gets done it'll be done but I don't wanna have to be like oh you have to finish this song in two weeks no <laughs> I don't work like that right you know so
0: well um Let's see. We're, we're 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 running low on time, so I have this thing I call the final five, and it's five questions. Everybody gets. They're a little bit more lighthearted. Nothing too serious. Um, so let's do that. Okay. <laughs> so number five is well, what's your most valuable music artifact? And that's I don't. I have a hard time articulating that. It's just what. It, and it's not something that's most expensive, but what's most valuable to you? that's music musically oriented my capo nice does it have any sentiment i mean does it go way back with you or is it something you just you as i can't a, play as a musician, if i don't have you, it you need i need it,
1: it you know <laughs> like i need it like i have like open fret songs but like i need my capo like even if i don't use it i still have to have it
0: okay so i like it have you had one for the longest time or do you have like Five or six.
1: And um, I have more. one that I really, really like, and then I have two that I don't like. Those are my backup ones. Okay. <laughs>
0: um. All right. Question number two is uh, if I give you a check for a million dollars for a charity, one charity, who gets it?
1: Um, I'd probably, like, donate it to, like, a homeless shelter or something like that. Okay. A youth shelter.
0: Sure. Uh, question number three is uh, what would your walk-up music be to heaven?
1: It'd probably be one of my own songs. Okay. Um would probably be This Is For A. Which one? This Is For A.
0: Okay. I haven't heard that one.
1: It's on YouTube.
0: Okay, I'll check it out. I've got a bunch written down. <laughs> <laughs> um Number four is kind of the opposite of that. What song is stuck on repeat in hell? Don't say one of your songs.
1: Mm, I've got a bone to pick with you, my friend. mm mm I don't know what song that is, but I feel like that's probably the one that would be stuck. <laughs>
0: okay. I, I, I can't name that tune.
1: I don't know. I think it's like some stupid power pop song from like the early 2000s. All
0: right. We'll figure it out. You know what? I'll, I'll plug those lyrics into <laughs> YouTube and not even YouTube, but Google. And that'll yeah. be my answer. That'll be your answer. Uh, last but not least, what, what's your, what was your best live concert experience? Not yours. Like, which band have you seen, witnessed?
1: Death Cat for Cutie. It was the first time that I ever saw them. It was in Milwaukee. And they played the Riverside Theater. And I just cried for like two hours straight. It was so good. <laughs> and then I was like screaming. And I was all like, um, I was screaming because I wanted them to play a song. And this lady in front of me told me to shut up. And then they played it. And I was like, fuck you. <laughs> That's a,
0: have you answered that question before? Mm-mm. I, somebody had, I just spoke about, I mean, I don't know how many times you talk about Death Cab for Cutie. But I, I try just not had a, to talk about it. I just had a conversation with somebody literally three days ago. And being my age, I can't remember. But that's so funny. Yeah, I saw they're they're a good live act. Yeah, they're, they're one of so those surprising good. live acts. They're yeah. very. Uh, I know the guy Ben Gibbard, I think his name is. Yeah. Like he jumped behind the drum set at one time. Yeah, he and plays he everything, and then they
1: bring out a piano and like. Yeah,
0: very good. Yeah. Very and good. then
1: when I saw them, they were playing with um they were playing with some string band, like no like they were playing with strings. They like there was violins okay. or whatever. Um, but then I also saw them again, like I think it was last year I saw them when they came and they were at the Fillmore. But I didn't feel it as much as I did the first time, right? Because, you know. <laughs> but I still loved it, and I still cried a little bit, but I didn't cry the whole time.
0: <laughs> Crying is good.
1: Yeah.
0: All right. Well, Liana, thank you for doing this. I right. appreciate your time. And I just want to go on record. I I loved your music. Oh, you know, cool. I, I you know, uh, you know, Mark told me to look you up, and as soon right. as I did, I had to hear what I was getting into right. and. Uh, it's right at my alley. Awesome. it's really great, and cool. uh, it was a pleasure having you. Thank you. I Thank
1: start you. recording my full album tomorrow.
0: So. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Get out! Fantastic.
1: I'm recording at Midway Guitar Studios right off the blocks. So, oh yeah. Yeah.
0: Fantastic. Well, good luck with that, Thank and uh, I'll, I'll be sure to uh, stay caught up on you. All
1: right. Thank you for inviting me. Hey, my pleasure. <laughs> awesome.
0: All right. Thank you, Liana Eaton. She's definitely an artist to watch. I feel the better she does the more we all benefit since she's so generous with exposing other artists that said i didn't even give her a chance to expose herself well, expose maybe the wrong word to promote herself so please check her out on itunes uh her stuff's on spotify bandcamp or her own website liana that's l-e-a-n-n-a-e-d-e-n.com And as always, you can reach us at dill at rockanomicspodcast.com, or better yet, you can now follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And for those of you listening, if I could ask one favor, that would be for you all to go to iTunes and subscribe and leave us a rating and a comment. That will help us grow, and with that will come bigger opportunities to bring you a wider variety of interesting people to talk to. So help me bring you a better show. One final note, I'd like to thank my old bandmate, guitarist Dylan Mitchell, for sending me some music that you're most likely hearing under my voice right now. I've uh, previously been using the music from the band Dylan and I played in called Scratcher, so I'll continue to mix and match all that stuff in the future episodes, but uh, thank you for the new stuff, Dylan. I appreciate it. appreciate you putting your time into it. And uh, that's this week's show. So until next week, good night, Cleveland.